The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. you what else continues is the aggressive nature of Iowa. This is what you call just going for somebody's heart. They know Northwestern just penalized for the sideline play. And what do they do? They send McNutt deep on a post cut all by himself, sending a message to Northwestern. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have two reporters' notebook segments in this podcast, featuring Mark Morehouse, who previews Iowa's upcoming game against the Indiana Hoosiers, and John Bonenkamp, who looks back at the Hawks' win over Northwestern. You'll also hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Indiana's Kevin Wilson. This Hawkeye's Mike program is one in a series of our three weekly podcasts this year, which include regulars Brent Balbonade and Marv Cook, as well as numerous guest commentators and reporters. The Iowa Northwestern game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network, with announcers Eric Collins and Chris Martin. A very nice job calling this contest. I think Martin is the best analyst on the Big Ten Network. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeye's Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now for part one of our Reporter's Notebook with John Bonenkamp. You can read John's articles in the Hawkeye and online at thehawkeye.com. John looks back at the Wildcats game. Well, John, few thought Iowa could afford to get into a shootout with Northwestern last Saturday, but it did, and it prevailed. It was starting to feel like all of those other games that they've played against them in the last couple of years. To Iowa's credit, they had that big drive there at the end of the end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter of the game in the lead, and they just really kind of took control after that. So it was a big win for them all the way around. Have you ever watched a game where virtually every one of the key stats were in overwhelming favor of the team that lost? No, it's been a while since I've seen something like that. I mean, it, it just kind of shows that, you know, Iowa's defense, came up with the plays that it needed to make. I mean, it was more of a, you know, it was more of a, I hate to use that cliche of Ben, but don't break, but that's kind of what they were, is that, I mean, they kind of let Northwestern move up and down the field, but when it came time, especially late in the game when they needed to make some stops, they came up with some stops. So, you know, if that was, you know, a lot of that, especially time of possession, was had a lot to do with Iowa's inefficiency on offense, really, for, you know, about the middle of the second quarter until the middle of the third quarter so yeah it was it was very weird it was very strange but I think it just kind of showed that Iowa made the plays 
plays when it counted. Yeah, I made the comment during the game that I know Iowa's defense is supposed to be bend but not break, but in in that game it looked flaccid. Yeah, I mean it just it just uh, you know it uh, it uh, they just you know just kept letting them get down there and I mean you know again to to give them credit I mean they came up with the plays at the end and you know really I, I go back to what I said earlier I think the the key play the key plays all the way around was was it was that drive there at the end of the third quarter early fourth quarter where you know Iowa's defense needed a rest needed a break and then because the offense had been on the field so little at that point that uh, you know for the offense to, to, to not only get that drive but then to get the touchdown at the end to take a lead I think really shifted that game around yeah you know it was interesting because again as, as you alluded to the, the as many points as the Wildcats put on the board plus those gaudy offensive statistics you'd think the defense played poorly but it was way more of a mixed bag they rotated a ton of people in and out they stayed fresh and I really thought in spite of the score that was the best job of containment in terms of defensing the quarterback especially giving who the quarterbacks were with Persa and Kane Coulter who's another impressive guy I thought that was the best job of containment they'd done all year yeah, it really was, in the, in the, in, and it was in the sense of that they, there was that constant shift of quarterbacks. You know, there were times when, you know, Purse was in there, the times when Coulter was in the run plays, there was times when both of them were in there at the same time. And, you know, that's, that's a hard offense to defend, and so that's why you can kind of, you know, understand the, the length of yardage, but then again, at the end of the day, that they came up with the plays, and they kept everybody, you know, pretty much contained for the most part. They never really let the big plays get away from. That was even more impressive because some of Iowa's key defensive players were missing last week due to injuries. Yes, and I mean that's you know again they they, they were there was a lot of, of adjustments made, a lot of learning on the fly, so to speak, and and so I mean again that that's a credit to what those guys did and and what Norm Parker did in in getting ready for this game. Let's uh, flip over and look at the offense a bit. The the let's talk about the play of the offense in this game, which was pretty impressive, really, and and the development of the offense at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean it's you know I mean it's it's still looking you know like it all. Did. I mean, you, you're basically running one running back. Um, you know, you're, you're still running the same kind of the same plays, but for for the most part, it, it really they really were a little bit more. I mean, you can just see how this this offense is maturing and 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 getting to know each other and getting to know these plays because again, they they. They weren't on the field very much after that first quarter when when they got the big lead and then and then when they really needed to put the game away they responded and, and came up with with again just like the like the defense the offense came up with some big plays too and they kept they kept themselves on the field to where you know they could make plays. Yeah, it's a, it's some interesting discussion at Kirk Ferentz's Tuesday press conference this week about the disappearance of the tight ends and is it because. That's just what's happening. Is it because Iowa's wideouts are so good this year, or is it something defenses are doing? I think it's it's just how the wideouts have, have evolved, and I mean, and, and the offense has kind of evolved around them. And, and I mean, but those weapons are still there, and I think I think eventually they're going to go back to them. It's just the way an offense evolves during the year that you know now now defenses will start to do things differently, and then so now Iowa will will make some adjustments. And so I think as you get down the road you're going to start seeing them go back to them a little bit more because defenses are going to be really keying on the three wide receivers, and so that's going to open up some plays. So again, it's, it's just how, how an offense evolves during the year, and I think it just, it's just how it's happened right now.
Probably Marcus Coker's best game of the year. He is a punishing running back, especially when he gets through the the line and and hits those defensive backs. You still worry about where the backups are. Yeah, and I mean, that's, you know, I've been, everybody I've talked to, you know, during the season, I keep harping on that. Like, at some point, you've got to find the backup for him. You've got to do some other things. And and you look at the stats from Saturday, three people carried the ball, and, and and one of them was the quarterback. So essentially, you you use two running backs in the game, and I mean, yeah, he's a punishing runner, and, and yeah, he was a little bit more aggressive. But again, you worry what's going to happen when something does happen, and that you know, Kirk doesn't seem to worry about it. So um, the last two weeks were a great example of the peaks and valleys in college football. They go out to Penn State and lay a giant egg. You know, I mean, they really the offense especially was just dreadful. Right. Then they come back and put 41 points on the board. Where is this team, do you think, in terms of, are they reaching the point where they're finally gelling, or are fans going to continue to see these big swings? That, that I think they're going to continue to see these big swings. I just think it's it's just, just the way this team is. And I mean, yes, they're maturing. Yes, they're coming together. But, you know, the, you know, you throw a clunker out at Penn State, and then you turn around and you play like, well, you know, they're going to play, a, you know, a couple of, they're going to play the bottom feeders in the league the next two weeks so there's there's a chance now to start developing an identity but if they don't do it in the next two weeks we're gonna you know when you get into this in the stretch at the end of the year when you start playing michigan and michigan state and nebraska and purdue you know there's going to be moments where you know i think we're going to kind of continue to see this up and down the next two weeks are obviously crucial because if they beat these two teams like they should in indiana and minnesota and if they continue to develop, you set up a really interesting last four games of the season. You put yourself in the conversation. That's that's basically what you do if you win these next two weeks. I mean, now you're 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 in a situation where you where you go into you know in, into this stretch of games where these are teams that you're going to have to beat if you want to play, if you want to win the division, if you want to get to the Big Ten championship game. So you know you don't want to stumble the next two weeks. As bottom line is, and you and like I said, you want to use these next two weeks to maybe find yourself and and find where this team is. And I think that's ha- that's kind of going to have to be how they approach it a little bit. But you can't have another clunker. That's <laughs> bottom line. To switch gears completely, I don't know how much or how closely you've been following the controversy surrounding the so-called dirty play of Michigan State's defense in the game against Michigan where they they twisted the neck on Denard Robinson and were punching people and he had six unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Um, And now Michigan State plays uh, host to Wisconsin this weekend and where you have the one of the nation's top defenses playing one of the nation's top offenses and with implications really for for Iowa on down the road. Sure. Talk about that at all? I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, with the Michigan State situation, I mean, uh, what was it? I, I think I saw their defensive coordinator said that, um, you know, he wanted 60 minutes of unnecessary roughness right. out of right. and, and turn around yeah. And then turned around and claimed it was taken out of context. It's like, well, what other context can you take it in? <laughs> Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, I think that's the kind of team they are, and I, they may they may get their lesson this weekend. Um, you know, karma can really come back and bite you, and so I mean, you're playing a team that, you know, has rolled over everybody they've played so far, and they might get a lesson taught to them this weekend. And and yeah, it is a, it is a crucial it's a crucial game really in in how the division race plays out. So you know, it'll be an interesting 
see how it all plays out this weekend. But yeah, it's the Spartans are who they are, and, and I mean, and they make no apologies for that. Uh, and we'll talk to Mark Morehouse about this a bit later too. But uh, once again, uh, the rumor mill is running rampant, and Kirk was very uh, evasive in answering the question in his Wednesday night call-in show. The AJ Derby from quarterback to linebacker. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's something that I think has always been out there since he arrived on campus. It's like, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a kid that can play both ways, and um, you know, and 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 he's a kid that played both ways. He's a kid that knows how to do things on on both sides of the ball. They're in a situation where they need linebackers. It it kind of makes sense, you know, but. Again, do you want to put your number two quarterback in at linebacker and have something happen? And then if something happens to James Vandenberg, then what do you do? So I, it'll be interesting to see if he shows up at that position on Saturday or even next Saturday. You know, I mean, it, it's something that could happen. And, and, and Kirk, Kirk knows how to play the game, and Kirk knows how to keep everything close to the vest. And, and, if, and if that is out there, he doesn't mind that that's out there, I don't think, swirling around, because, it, you know, he, he kind of likes that. I think he kind of likes that little bit of chaos and, you know, the, sec, the guessing. There's, I mean, everything's a chess game with football coaches, and this is just another one, I think. Yeah, hope you're all happy now. Good guy wins, bad guy loses. Big friggin' surprise. I love happy endings. Bootleg. Vandenberg can run it. First down. Touchdown. The play call, a thing of beauty on fourth down and one. How about the quarterback keeper? Oh, just a great job. It's really a naked boot. Nice play call by Ken O'Keefe. Rolling on the field is a touchdown. The play is under further review. After further review, the runner's knee was down at the half-yard line. It'll be Iowa ball, first and goal, at the half-yard line. Yep, just delays the inevitable. Marcus Coker gets himself a touchdown. The physicality of Iowa in the second half to control the point of attack credit the offensive line for just being road graders and giving Coker plenty of room to work with. Iowa dominating in the second half. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who previews the homecoming contest against Indiana. Playing Indiana this week, obviously, and uh, you know, we move on to our next Big Ten opponent. Uh, glad, glad to be at home. 
And uh, I think, as everybody knows, we've had a, a real difficult time with them the last two years. You know, last year's game went right down to the last snap. Two years ago, we were very fortunate to uh, get that thing turned around because it wasn't looking too good. So uh, you look at that, uh, look at, uh, you know, just uh, their game with Penn State a couple weeks ago. I'd, I'd much rather been in the position they were in last couple minutes than where we were at and uh, against the same opponent. And their team going through a little bit of a transition with the new staff, certainly, but they've got a lot of talented players. And so we've got a challenge of trying to match up with them. And then we also have a challenge of trying to get better and clean up a lot of our uh, areas that need improvement. Ference talks about the play of his tight ends. I thought they played at a higher level. That's more true of a lot of, a lot of positions, but I thought they played at a higher level. And unfortunately, Brad Herman would have had a, looked like he would have had a touchdown reception and our protection broke down. But uh, I think it was in the fourth quarter probably, right? Um, he was wide open, just wide open, and we couldn't get the ball to him, unfortunately. So one of those deals. But uh, I, thought, I thought the group played better Saturday. Outside of a week ago, we've been scoring pretty readily. You know, not readily, but we've we've put points uh, on, on the board. You know, seven of them the other night were defensive touchdowns and got field position. That's all football, but uh, yeah, it really doesn't matter who's ca- catching or whatever. You know, like one game it's this guy, another game it's that guy. It's just you know, managing the thing is trying to get points. That's that's the bottom line. So, you know, whoever's helping us out, that's good. And. Typically during the course of the season, we'll get spread around, so it'll work itself out. Kirk was asked about the development of tight end C.J. Fedorowicz. No, he's making progress, and I thought uh, Saturday was his best game, you know, quite frankly. So that's uh, that's good. And then, you know, an added, added bonus there, he jumped in on the kickoff team and really did a nice job there. I uh, can't remember who got hurt in that circumstance, uh, but, you know, somebody had to come out, so he jumped in there and really... Ran down with good intent, and that was that was good to see. And yeah, you know, most of our tight ends have been pretty good special teams through players through the years, and so good to see him jump in there like that. Ference assesses his defense at this point in the season. You know, every season is different, is different, and every game's different. And uh, you know, he just adjusts as you go along. But uh, I was encouraged uh, overall. I think we we've been making some improvement defensively. Uh, every week's a little bit different adventure, but uh, uh, I thought I thought we played with uh, more energy and, and more intensity Saturday. So, uh, and, and I know they had a ton of yards and they had a, had a significant amount of points, but uh, just the way we were playing, I, I think was uh, encouraging. And, you know, saw some individuals make some improvement and that, that's hopefully something we can continue. I think that's a key thing right now is what, what we do this week, how do we improve? Uh, you know, we showed some improvement, so can we sustain that and then hopefully add on to it? That, that's probably the biggest key, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams. But yeah, we need improvement in all areas, I know that. And Ference was asked what he meant last week when he said that Marcus Coker may have been thinking too much. Marcus wasn't necessarily in this category, but most guys coming out of high school, uh, younger guys, um, you know, try to read too much or try to make too many cuts in a run, and that's... Um, yeah, defense is closed too quick, so you, you really kind of have to make a decision at some point, hopefully sooner than later. If it's wrong, it's wrong, but you know, you got to live with it and go, and uh, you know, it's kind of like making a call sometimes. So uh, you just have to have to do it and, and live with it instead of trying to be perfect all the time. And I think uh, that's kind of what I was sensing here a couple weeks weeks running. And part of that is you just missed some practice time in August, so it takes, takes a while for any player to get in a rhythm no matter what position they're at. I think that was showing up a little bit. Next, we hear from Indiana head coach Kevin Wilson, who gives his assessment of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa coming in, another you know solid, really good team, 4-2. They'll look to get their running game going, as they did last week against Northwestern. They haven't 
ran the ball quite up to their standard, what Coach Ferentz and their guys are used to. The quarterbacks played great. Defensively, with Coach Norm Parker and Phil Parker, those guys have been there for decades and they're solid and they play good defense. They like Wisconsin, they, they don't give up big plays, they make you earn it. They typically don't turn the ball over, play sound football, and they're going to kick and game some things we're trying to get to. Uh, again, another program I respect and the job Coach Ferentz does. I think they're really good. So, another good challenge going to get those guys. Good start yesterday, Monday. Yeah, I think your guys are battling with good attitude. Young guys are getting better. Old guys are fighting through it. We'll march on here to Iowa City. Wilson talks at length about his team's offensive struggles, their third down conversion issues, and his offensive line. Again, we started the year pretty decent, you know, in third down the first couple, three games, but you're playing better opponents. So we played through three pretty stout defenses. Um, and again, when you do get behind change, playing uphill, protection-wise with the young guys, you know, we got some guys that, you know, that, that you know the pocket will get pushed. So for timing, and as I say all the time, the receivers, you're not, you're not trying to beat the corner, the safety on the route. You're trying to beat the guy rushing the quarterback. So, as coaches, you know, we got to continue to look. Last week, we did a few things to try to help us on the edges, to try to help you know the defensive ends with some maximum protections or guys staying in. Actually, had that the week before on the a play that was a was a was a fumble and a, and a touchdown return that was a max pro. But we're trying to you know help those guys out. Um, you know, we tried to screen one time on second long, we misconnect on. Uh, we've tried doing it, we had a couple quarterback draws. I mean, you keep trying to do some things to be rush friendly, to help you got to put yourself in position of that offensive lineman, the matchup. So do you give him double team help? Do you chip with backs or tight ends? Do you max and keep everyone in? Do you run screens and draws? But when we get behind, it's, you know, you want to be ballpark 50% on third down in the long haul. You'd like to think on third and ones and twos, you're going to be 80 to 90%. And third and mediums, you're going to get about half. And when you get the third morning tens, you're going to be 20%. And at the end, it works out to being about half. So our deal is when you when we get behind change with the penalty, our first five drives, four times we go across midfield. One time we score on the long run. And the one time we don't, we get a holding call. One of the drives bogged down because of a, of a third and two, we jump all sides. One time we get it down. Second and eight, we throw a quick pass that we don't throw, and we get called for holding and play the actually the way the quarterback threw it could have been a pick. So again, we've moved the ball, but once we have a penalty or once we have a play that gets us second 12, we don't tend to overcome that real good. We did the other day with a couple runs. Our first third and six, we just ran the ball for about 12 yards. So again, we just got to keep looking at at, at at putting our guys in matchups. So you can say uh, you want to throw it on third and long. Uh, I think again, defensively, we feel like, you know, we need to score some points offensively to help the defense, but then that being said, we're getting one-dimensional and throwing it too much, and the ball's in the air and on the ground too much, and we're turning, and then we're hurting the defense. So you you keep trying to put it together. I'm watching some teams play that are playing really strong, strong, strong defense, and they're playing very, very vanilla offensively. But that being said, as they put it together, it's giving them a chance to win. We're not being good on either side of the ball right now. The offense is stressing the defense out. So, Dustin, the key deal is we can't just go run, run, throw it on third down. But when we get third and eight or more, we're not going to be a, a we're not really good. We converted one the other day, but most teams aren't that good, and we're not quite as good as some teams are that need you know. So we're going we're going to be less than that. So our best drives are when first and second downs don't get us to third down, or first and second downs get us to third and manageable, and we stay on schedule, or first and second downs get us to four down territory, as we did the other day on fourth and two, and we actually end up calling a play wrong, and the quarterback went the wrong way, and we lose the play there. So.
Wilson expands on the play of his wide receivers. And our receiver play's been very, very poor going back to Penn State play with all the drops. We don't, we're not playing with any sense of speed and urgency out there. If you watch our receivers play, we play very fast on, on routes. And then when it's a run play, we jog off the ball. Our young players are battling, getting better, but we need better receiver play. So it's a collective deal. I don't think the quarterbacks trust the line. I think the receivers don't practice or play with speed, that the quarterback knows where he's going to be. And we're just an offense in a passing game that's com it's completely out of sync. And that's, that's just that's real. Now, how do we fix that? We keep practicing, staying positive. But point being said, we've got to find some passing that works as we move forward. So. And Wilson talks about the attitude and energy level of his team at this point in the season. I mean, sometimes it's just, you know, when you're having success, whether it be personal or as an offense or defense, or if you're a specialist, if you're having success, you kind of create your own energy. And so, you know, I mean, there's some, there's some young guys probably not doing well either. I mean, again, each guy, again, I think our game's very stressful. We work awfully hard. And I think there's a lot of stress on these guys. You know, we got them up early, you know, working hard, going to class, study hall at night till 10 o'clock. They're working, I guess some guys working 13 hour days. It looks like when I look at their class commitment, practice commitment, study hall commitment, and we got four hours of, of time that's, that's athletic related. I mean, I got guys that are starting at six or seven in the morning, getting done at nine or 10 at night. And that being said, when you're working hard, if you're having game success, school and everything does well. When you're not having game success, I see guys falter. So to me, the real deals we're building forward is trying to find ways to stay positive and have success and keep working hard. And that's what we're trying to do in practice. That's what we're trying to do off the field. And some guys are struggling with it, but some guys are doing well with it. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Looking ahead to this weekend's game, Saturday's contest against Indiana is Iowa's 100th homecoming game. The Hawkeyes have a 53-41-5 record in these annual events. The Hawks have hosted the Hoosiers 14 times at homecoming and have an 8-5-1 record in those games. Not really that good. Iowa is 4-2 going into Saturday. Indiana only 1-6 as it struggles to adjust to the new coaching staff and offensive and defensive philosophy. This is the 73rd meeting between the two schools. Iowa leads the all-time series 41-27-4, has won the last three games and six of the last eight. The Hawks lead the series in games played in Iowa City 22-10-3. Kirk Ferentz is in his 13th year as Iowa's head coach with a 93-63 record at Iowa. This is Indiana coach Kevin Wilson's first year as a head coach. He came to the Hoosiers from the very successful program at Oklahoma, where he most recently served as Bob Stoops' offensive coordinator. Part two of our Reporter's Notebook this week features Mark Morehouse. You can read Mark's articles in the Gazette and online at thegazette.com. Mark previews the Iowa-Indiana game. Hey, Mark, in last week's show, you predicted, and I agreed that Iowa could not win a shootout against Northwestern, but that's what happened. How do you explain that, and where do you think Iowa's offense is now at this point in the season? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, where is it? It's kind of, I think last week it kind of rediscovered what it, what got it to, uh, to where it was, you know, to the inside bowl last year and to the, to the, uh, uh, Orange Bowl the year before. It's, it's rediscovered what it really wants to be in my mind. It, it, uh, the play-action pass was there. The 
the big running back chugging away for 124 yards was there, and uh, the long passes to wide receivers were there. I think Iowa's offense was uh, looked more uh, against Northwestern than it looked more like Iowa's offense against Northwestern than it has all season. But no huddle is not Iowa's offense. The you know the the empty backfield or just the one back and uh, three wide receivers. That's not really Iowa's offense. Uh, that's kind of a kind of a uncomfortable zone I thought for Coach Ferentz. I thought it was uh, it was not really where they wanted to be. It worked and so they gave it a shot a little bit. Last week they were back in the huddle. The running back was going for 124 yards and the wide receivers were wide open off a play action pass. So I think that was that if, if Iowa's offense can come out and be that, Iowa's offense is gonna give Iowa a shot in, in uh, November. Well do you think that's really a shift away from the no huddle or was that an attempt albeit unsuccessful, to try to keep uh, the ball away from Northwestern's offense and build up some possession time? Well, it, it kind of, but uh, I think Iowa at, one, at some point, if you look at the drives, at two, three plays, 70-yard-plus drives, I think Iowa is just trying to score. And uh, Northwestern's defense will not be in the will not be remembered as one of the school's best. So I think that they saw an opportunity to score, and against Northwestern, points are uh, sort of key. And I think they just wanted to, you know, bury them with points at that point and not worry about so much time of possession because, you know, they played 18 guys on defense. But the defense, fatigue was not going to be an issue with defense. It was just, uh, just overall Northwestern's, you know, trying to at least throw a some sort of wrench in the Northwestern's execution, which, you know, in the end, the numbers say they really didn't, but they kind of did. In the, in the fourth quarter, they got some key stops. I think in late when Iowa had the 41-24 lead, everything, they just wanted to keep everything in front of it and make Northwestern use clock, and uh, finally they got the, I think the, was the fumble at the end, and so there was just enough defense there, and I think that's just... The defense is just going to clink along. This is not going to be one of Iowa's best defenses either. Uh, it's not going to be a top 25 defense, which Iowa has been the last three seasons. So it's sort of paint uh, by numbers there. They're sort of figuring it out. And, and I think it's going to be fun to watch. Now, it's not always going to work, but it's going to be fun to watch. We're back with a story that apparently won't die. The A.J. Derby position derby, so to speak. Uh, this yeah. week it's quarterback back to linebacker. Do you think that's accurate? Because Kirk definitely was evasive in answering that question in his show Wednesday night. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I heard the Tuesday practice there. I don't know about Wednesday and I don't know about uh, Thursday. So let's go ahead and make that leap, you know, just because the way Ferentz handled the question during his radio show. You know, is that the right place for Derby? I don't know. I don't know what his 40 time is. I've heard four, high four, or mid four eights or four eight-ish, which in my mind probably isn't fast enough to be a linebacker. Uh, I know Tyler Nielsen's in the mid to high four five. That is fast enough to be a linebacker. So is this his final destination? I don't know. Right now, Iowa needs the linebackers, but I don't throw that out. This is not for Derby this year. Not right now. Not, you know, just thrown in there. It's not something you do. There's little big chance of success just throwing a kid in there. Where it might matter is special teams, getting a 6'4", 235-pound body that can run a little bit out on the field for special teams. That would help. Well, we're just completely speculating here, but if they make that move for this week, and I agree with you, I, I don't think it makes 
a lot of sense to throw somebody in into that position in the middle of the season. But would you guess, given because we've all talked to Derby, I mean, he's pretty insistent about playing quarterback, that that kind of a move would be just temporary in case, you know, they really get thin again in this game, or would it be more permanent? I, I don't know. At this point in his career, he's a redshirt freshman, and I imagine he wants to play. And maybe the coaching staff last week, after seeing Kane Coulter, Northwestern's quarterback of the future, play running back, play wide receiver. He played safety earlier in the season, not against Island, but earlier in the season. He, they, they were throwing the best bodies they could out there. And Kane Coulter helped Northwestern wherever they put him. I mean, I don't know how many catches he had. He was dynamic quarterback. He, was, he ran the option. Uh, he rushed for a bunch of yards. You know, can Derby do what Kane Coulter did for Northwestern? No, not right now. Too early. Uh, too much quarterback. Uh, I think you give him a year, though, and you're going you're to have a guy. You're going to have, you know, perhaps a linebacker. I still think, and this is just purely my opinion, I still think he's a defensive end and waiting. I think he could be a dominant defensive end. Indiana's a team in major transition, a new coaching staff. Talk about what Kevin Wilson brings to the Hoosiers and what he's trying to implement there. Uh, well, you, you see Oklahoma. You saw how Oklahoma forced uh, Texas in the uh, in the uh, state fair game there. I think it was 55-17, something like that. Well, Kevin Wilson had come to Indiana from Oklahoma. He was at North, he was an offensive coordinator at Northwestern before Oklahoma. So he... He's, this is very. He runs a very much wide open offense, spread, uh, no huddle. You know all the rage now and all the bells and whistles that you that Iowa that has given Iowa fit over the years. But when he came in in November, he saw a program that, in his opinion, and his actions show me this. In his opinion, he thought this was a soft program, and they got rid of 31 players, including 18 scholarship kids. Uh, they're clearing the decks. Uh, he talks a lot about toughness, and you have to in Indiana. Indiana has played horrible defense for eternity now. Well, at least ever since the 90s when Joe Novak was the defensive coordinator with, uh, uh, I think it was Bill Mallory at the time, he's the head coach. So they played some decent defense then. Indiana's defense has faded over the years. I think Indiana has now had 10 straight losing seasons in the Big Ten. Uh, Wilson wants to change the attitude and wants to get tougher players, uh, and that just makes total sense. I mean, the guys watched, uh, you know, the Stoops, uh, Mike, uh, Bob, Dudes at Oklahoma do this for years, and just tough players, tough, good athletes. Going for that blend, and you know, will it work? I don't know. But uh, this year, right now, it's you know the team is sort of drained. Uh, they've tried four quarterbacks. Uh, they will be missing uh, the wide receiver Demarion Belcher, the kid who dropped the pass last year that would have beaten Iowa. He won't play uh, Saturday. Uh, will Maddie at center, who started 31 games, won't play Saturday. So Indiana's. You know, in the in the short run, there it's it's a train wreck. But uh, maybe maybe down the road, you know, I like I like what Kevin Wilson's doing. I think he's making a lot of the right moves. You know, will it pay off? I don't know. But uh, this isn't about now. This is about uh, three or three years from now. Yeah, sort of an interesting comment Wilson made earlier this week, where he said his offense is stressing out his defense. Yeah, uh, it, the offense is not um, you know scoring, not moving the chains. And, you know, it's kind of like when parents brought up the whole thing about uh, the no huddle and how, you know, 15 seconds three and out would, would kill the defense. Well, you saw a few of those at, uh, at Penn State and, and uh, killed the defense. So uh, that's what he means by that. He, he, quick three and outs, the offense not moving the ball. You know, you run a no huddle spread and you're off the field and your defense is going out back out there and 
you know, for right now with Indiana, it's not a good thing. Now, for whatever combination of reasons in recent history, as we know, the Hoosiers have caused a lot of problems for Iowa. But given where they are right now, how do you see the offensive, defensive matchups for both teams playing out in this game? Iowa's offense should be able to do whatever it wants. Um, I think Poker probably has 150 yards, maybe. Vandenberg should be able to do what he wants. I think Marvin will break the touchdown record uh, Saturday. He had 21 tied with Tim Dwight, Daniel Hughes. I think he breaks it and knows. Uh, maybe, maybe maybe adds to it. But uh, uh, I think Iowa's offense should do what it wants. Uh, I, I worry a little bit about, I think, Iowa's defense, you know, with the linebacker situation. Tyler Nielsen had surgery. Uh, I don't know if he plays. I mean, he's got plates and screws in his hand. That's not, that's not conducive to good linebacking, if I, if I remember correctly from my days as a linebacker. So <laughs> uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, Iowa should be okay, but, you know, up front, uh, it's iffy. You know, the front seven is iffy. And the one good thing that uh, Indiana did last week was rush for 220-plus yards at Wisconsin. You know, it didn't get them anywhere, but at least, you know, they have they have that on the game film, they have that in the resume, and they could maybe grind out a running game against Iowa on Saturday, especially if Iowa has is missing some uh, front seven type guys. I know some of the Hawkeyes alluded to it earlier this week, that they overlooked Indiana last week. Do you think there's any chance that's going to happen Saturday? Well, you know what? I was thinking about that, and Iowa does poorly in games that it's absolutely supposed to win. It, it does poorly in games where uh, they're favored by 20 plus points, and that you know they don't necessarily lose them. I think there's it's something that I think parents need to look at. Just uh, what what the preparation is, what the call to arms is, what the message is, or or what the strategy is being going to these games because Iowa does let for whatever reason let teams that are way down. I mean way. They, uh, you know, 20 plus points underdogs to them kind of hang around a little bit sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. And, you know, I look at Indiana last year at Minnesota. Uh, I'm not sure if I was a 20 point favorite then. But there are times where, you know, you're playing down the competition. I, I think that's probably too strong. But I think that uh, it's worth examination because Iowa does seem to have, you know, in games that, that for, for whatever reason, in games that it's 20 plus favorites. There's just sort of some sort of ennui going on there that I don't know, I'm really can't explain. Key players for the Hawks this Saturday, both on offense and defense? You know, on offense, I think probably Coker. Uh, let's, let's get two in a row here for the guy. And, you know, it's just, I think his confidence is building. I think he's running strong. And I think he, he's starting to really learn what kind of running back he is. Uh, he's a straight ahead runner. He makes one cut and he gets his pads down and uh, he is no fun to tackle. So yeah, I think they need to see him get a couple, you know, a couple weeks in a row, and then they can, you know, maybe build on it in Minnesota, and then maybe by the time it gets to the meet of the schedule in November, uh, that's a real strength for Iowa. But on defense, it's hard to say. There, there's something that's hurt. But if, if James Morris plays, kind of keep an eye on him. The ankle thing. I wonder how well he is. He said Tuesday all the right stuff, but you know, he's still, you know, he's not even 20 years old yet. I don't think. And when I was when you're 20, you say all the right stuff about uh, toughness and that kind of thing. So uh, let's see if he's out there. Tyler Nielsen, let's see if he's out there. Anthony Hitchens, let's see if he's out there. Uh, Tom Donatello, also a little bit banged up. Let's see, he's out there. And Thomas Nardo, see the front seven. I just watched the front seven. They're the key. If uh, if they can grind it out this week, 
I, I'm just marveling at the job that uh, the Iowa's defensive coaches are doing with personnel because you know they played 18 guys last week, 17 the week before. You think on paper, at least, that we'd see some backup running backs. Kanzari uh, should be back from his injury. Now rumor is that McCall is practicing again. It, it's not a rumor. Uh, uh, last week, I ran into his high school coach last week. Uh, uh, his high school coach is down the coach at Cedar Rapids Prairie. My son happens to play in the program over at Prairie, so I talked to him about it, and uh, he was... Before this week, he was uh, sort of working out. You know, remember, people remember he broke his ankle pretty severely against uh, Tennessee Tech, nine carries into his season. Now, okay, he's been out, and he could stay out. If he stays out, I think it's 30% of your games, and if you don't play after the sixth game of the year, he would be eligible next year to be a freshman again, to get a medical hardship waiver. It's not a medical redshirt. I don't like that term. It's incorrect. It drives me crazy. Just a little weird thing, but uh, uh, a medical hardship waiver. But if he plays, he, he'll be a sophomore next year. He loses the season. So uh, here's what I think parents is thinking, and I could be wrong on this, but here's what my interpretation of events. I think that if they, if Iowa is six and two going into November and is playing for something, that I think all hands are on deck and and Mikhail McCall is in the game. It just makes too much sense if you have a guy, if he's healthy, if his ankle's ready for it, if he's exploding like he did against Tennessee Tech, if, he, if he's showing the durability, if, he's, if he can give them a solid 10 to 15 carries a game, maybe you know 70 yards, if he can give them some pop, he will play. If, if Iowa, if they don't feel his health is there, or if Iowa you know, loses a game, one of these two games against Indiana or Minnesota, then I think he probably sit because then Iowa, you know, goes and maybe goes into November five and three. You know, the sense of urgency kind of fades. Uh, there'll be one, they'd be uh, two and two in the Big Ten. Still, there's something to play for. I mean, they could sweep, but I really think there's going to be a line of demarcation coming out of October. And I, I, deep down, I think he plays because I think Iowa should be six and two coming out of October. And I think, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Nebraska. It's, it's a, the toughest part of their schedule, and I, but I think that Iowa could very well be playing for something. You know, I don't, you know, I don't know what. I mean, if, if, if they can, you know, if they can piece it together, get it, you know, maybe split with the Michigan. I could have a say still in the Legend Division. I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's, uh, it's not out of the realm, not at all. I mean, this team is piecing together in defense. It's not a dominant Iowa team, but. Uh, you know, it could be playing for something, and all hands could be in deck. I think if, if it's six and two, and Iowa goes against uh, Michigan, Iowa and McCall play. Everyone plays. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Your prediction for Saturday? I picked Iowa thirty-eight twenty-four. I think Indiana will get something going on offense. I don't think Indiana will stop Iowa's offense. We thought you might enjoy some bonus Mark Morehouse material as Mark and I discussed the controversy regarding Michigan State's defensive play last week against Michigan and the Spartans game this Saturday against Wisconsin. This could be some pretty interesting stuff up in East Lansing this Saturday with uh, what happened. Yeah, yeah. I think Wisconsin wins, um, but I'm not sure. I, I just think Wisconsin's too much to handle on offense, but you know, if you're looking at matchups, Michigan State's defense is, I think, fantastic. Maybe the best in the big list. And dirty. Yeah, and, and dirty as hell. Uh, which, you know what? If you're not called for it, if the Big Ten doesn't suspend you, 
It's legal, baby. It's not right. It's not good. It's horrible for the game. And it should be also noted that uh, Mark Antonio was coach at Ohio, was a defensive coach at Ohio State. Yep. yep. Uh, when Robert Reynolds was suspended a game for choking a Wisconsin running back or quarterback, Jim Sorge, in at the bottom of the pile. So there's a pattern here, maybe Big Ten, huh? Uh, imagine, you know, the Big Ten powers that be, Jim Delaney. Uh, wants the best foot forward for this team right? because all the world will be on it. It's a night game at, at uh, East Lansing. It's the rock and roll Badgers against the uh, dirty as hell uh, Spartans, and, and they want to pump it up. Dan Beal is not going to put up with it. In fact, he said that he's been having his scout team you know, do some of that stuff at the end of play, sort of extend the plays in practice this week. Mm-hmm. So, so, boy, that could be interesting stuff to watch. Yeah, Bielema is no softy. Bielema won't take, I mean, that could escalate quickly. And the Badgers have, you know, the Badgers have the firepower to, you know, that offensive line comes with its own weather system, I think. Uh, so they, they're, they're, they're not exactly dance with the stars. I mean, they're going to be after it, so it'll be fun. And a, and a Wisconsin win helps Iowa out in the Legends division because that yeah, puts everybody does. on the same footing right now. So Right, right. And then I think Michigan State still has one real tough game. They play Nebraska yet. Uh, Michigan State and Nebraska play each other yet. So. And then Michigan State's the schedule, I think, sort of, which has been, the, is, I imagine, is, is one of the toughest in Big Ten. You know what? I, I like Michigan State football. I, I, I get it. It's tough. I, I like that. I think that's how you win in the Big Ten. But the dirty stuff the extra the grabbing and the twisting and the choking you know no you can't have that Chancho when you are a man sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room it's for fun and it's been a tough week for Kirk Ferentz everyone coming up to him and the first question always is how come you can't beat Northwestern (laughs) don't have to worry about that question for a while the Iowa Hawkeyes pick up their first win as a member of the Legends Division. They move to 1-1 one one in Big Ten play. They move to 4-2 and two overall. And Northwestern, their troubles continue. They have lost four in a row. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. Also check out the game photos and video highlights of Iowa games, other Big Ten action, and teams across the country. Just click on the video tab. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Daily Iowan. And listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeyes Mike and on the Balbinot on Camp show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM AM 1600 ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids and at KGYMRadio.com. And broadcast school has really paid off. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. 
and by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for the game highlights this week, and thanks to our contributors, John Bonenkamp and Mark Morehouse. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.